Tuned to AM 1460, KDWA Radio in Hastings, and we have as our guest today Cindy Lasher. And Cindy Lasher is a clinical hypnotist. How are you today, Cindy? I'm doing great, Dan. And I get to meet you. I've heard your shows. I've listened to your shows. Oh, thank you. You do a great job. And Cindy, it's going to be kind of a different format um, today. You have a guest. Tell us about your guest. My guest today is Paul Sheely. He is the founding partner of Learning Strategies Corporation and chairman of the Natural Brilliance Productions. Paul has activated the natural brilliance within millions of people around the globe over the past 30 years. His dynamic programs cultivate human potential in all audience types, awakening the genius mind in everyone. He teaches people how to increase health and wealth, improve relationships, and implement new knowledge with ease. Paul has dedicated his life to helping people to reclaim their genius and heal the wounded learner within each of us. He believes everyone is brilliant beyond their imagination, having a genius capacity waiting to be activated. His life-changing programs guide individuals and organizations to achieve extraordinary results. Numerous well-known peak performance experts like Jack Canfield, Tony Robbins, Steve Harv Ecker, and Brian Tracy have used and endorsed Paul's training programs. He has advanced degrees in biology and learning and human development and a rich bi- background in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which we've discussed here on the show before. He also works in accelerated learning, pre-conscious processing, transformational leadership, and universal energy. And he's currently working on his doctoral degree in leadership and change at Antioch. At the age of 19, Paul was trained as a professional hypnotist and became the executive director of the oldest established practice, hypnosis practice in the Twin Cities by the age of 22. He has a long and distinguished career, and he's still a young man. Paul's work includes programs like photo reading, natural brilliance, genius code, abundance for life, and the paraliminal CD f- CDs that so many people are familiar with, and 50 other programs. He is also the author of the best-selling books, Photo Reading and Natural Brilliance. And Paul, I am so pleased to welcome you to the show today. Thanks very much, Cindy. Great to be here with you. Paul, as a hypnotist yourself, you have done so much and worked so incredibly to show people the potential that lies within their lives that they aren't consciously, cognitively aware of on an everyday basis. Can you share with us some of how that's developed? Your, your career is so fascinating. Well, one of the things that I recognized early on was uh, in doing a demonstration of hypnosis for a youth group way, way back when I first got started. I had a group of, uh, out of the 40 kids that were in this, this um, evening event, I had 10 of them in a very deep trance. I was doing demonstrations of hypnosis. I told this one boy that his foot was glued to the floor. He couldn't move it, and he, and he couldn't. And then I, I said, you could try to tell me your name, but you've forgotten your name, and he couldn't speak his name. And it was in that moment that I realized 
that my job isn't about putting people into trance. It's about awakening them from the trances that they're already in where they have accepted, I cannot. And as soon as we accept, I cannot do something, then that becomes their ongoing trance. That's the ongoing result that they're going to produce. So I can't learn math. I can't remember names. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't seem to get out of this financial problem I'm in. I, I can't seem to have a relationship that works. Anytime a person is speaking the words, I can't, they're really being their own hypnotist. And so throughout my life, it's been how can I help people more fully break those trances <clears throat> that either they created for themselves or as a part of their own family system or social system they accepted from others. You know, that reminds me, my, as you may know, that uh, my father was a social worker and a hypnotist, so I grew up with hypnosis and these concepts, and I remember distinctly when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I don't remember the context, but we were leaving the house, and my dad, for some reason, told me, never tell yourself no. You might find out that the world tells you the answer is no or the answer is something else, but don't start with no for yourself. And that has made a huge difference in my own life. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, you know, a classic example, coming out of the house, you get into the car, you start pulling out of the driveway, and then you stop. You say, oops, I forgot such and such such in the house. i got to go back in and get it. Now, it seems like it's innocuous to say, I forgot such and such. The truth is, at that moment, you just remembered that Mm -hmm. thing in the house. (laughs) But what do we focus on? We focus on the negative. Exactly. We immediately focus on the deficit. Mm -hmm. A, A classic is people will often ask themselves, why can't I seem to be able to do blah, blah, blah? Why can't I seem to be able to get a better job? Why can't I seem to have kids that will mind me? You know, why can't I seem to have uh, a, a get a better job? Why, why can't I? And if you're asking that question, the mind is going to look for the answer of why you cannot. Mm-hmm. If you change the question and say, how might I be able to attract a better relationship? How might I be able to earn more money and have a better career? How might I be able to communicate with my children so that we have a more cooperative, effective relationship with each other? That question, how might I, immediately sends the same mind to work, literally running through the universe to find evidence for how, in fact, you might be able to do this. And that really is the, the basis of how we use mind to begin to attract more of what it is we're choosing to create in our lives. And now you're segueing into the Law of Attraction. You and Jack Canfield co-authored Living the Law of Attraction, the paraliminal and the material for the workshop that I teach. Now, I'm really excited to have you here to answer some questions that I know people have because I've heard these questions about the Law of Attraction. What exactly is the Law of Attraction? For people who are unfamiliar with this concept, how would you define it? Well, uh, it's a law, meaning that it is always in operation. It's happening as a natural part of the way of things. So when we look out into the world, we don't see gravity, for example, but we certainly experience the effects of it. And because the Law of Gravity 
is always in operation, it always has the same result. You can't fight it. You can't get angry with it and change it. It is the way things are. The law of attraction is a basic principle of how consciousness works in this quantum universe that we live in. The universe that we live in is energy. And consciousness will have a tendency to create out of this energy what it is it holds in consciousness. If you could think about all of the different types of clay pots you've ever seen in the world, from fine ceramic pottery to plates to whatever, it's all made of a single substance, essentially. It's all made of this clay that came from the earth. Every clay pot that's ever been made essentially came from a similar substance. And when we look around the world around us, what we're seeing is energy, that one substance of the universe is formed and created into everything that we see. So we could think of the universe as being made up of two things. There's energy and there's matter. And energy and matter work according to certain laws. One of those laws, the law of attraction, says that whatever it is that we hold in consciousness, we will tend to attract that into our consciousness, literally creating what it is we think about. And at a physics level, it's hard to really imagine this, but the universe is going in and out of creation 4,000 times per second. It's very difficult for us to perceive that vibration. It's, it's very difficult for us to see individual films on a movie, but at mm -hmm. a rate of somewhere around 26 frames per second or per minute, what we're actually watching is something that looks like it has stability, mass, it looks real on the screen of a movie theater. As we look around in this universe that we live in, everything we look at seems to have substance and it seems to have permanence. And yet at a subatomic level, what we know is it's coming in and out of existence. Very much like our own breath is being breathed through us, we inhale and we exhale. That is incredible. It is hard to wrap your mind around that concept. You've mentioned a couple of times that what we hold in our consciousness is what we create in our lives. Um, and our earlier conversation wa was about how we almost automatically seem to go to the negative first. As you say, we, we say, oh, I forgot, and oh, I can't. Is it, is it that it's easier somehow for the mind to reach out to those negatives, or is that conditioning from our culture? It's a great question. It really has far more to do with habits of mind, what, we're, what we grow up being used to. For example, before we ever go to school, we naturally explore the world in order to understand it and experience it. So we're reaching out, we're touching, we're crawling around. Everything as an infant goes into our mouths, you know, <laughs> our, our index finger, our thumb, and our lips and our tongue. I mean, that's the way we sense the world. So we're exploring all the time. When we get to school, we're prevented from the natural exploration of our world. We're told to sit down be quiet, pay attention, and all kinds of irrelevant things are thrown up on a board that we have to then pay attention to, 
and a bell rings every 50 minutes, so it doesn't allow us to really explore much. We have to get up and immediately move mm-hmm. for some mindless reason into the next room, <laughs> where, again, we're very quickly instructed in what we're supposed to do as opposed to really engaging in the natural learning process. Well, this conditions the mind. Mm-hmm. And the, the intention of what was called compulsory education that came to the United States in the 1840s was really designed to make sure that we all became very good factory workers Mm -hmm. in an industrializing nation. And so this idea of controlling for us to be obedient is really what it's all about. Now, once we begin to recognize that our lives aren't working the way we want to, we try to make a change. This is what the whole self-improvement industry is about. We realize there's, there's greater potential within us. We can do different things. So right away we start getting excited. We start working on stuff. But what we're going to encounter is a mental habit that's used to following orders from others mm. and accepting far less than our true potential. So how do we break and through And what that? we're really about in the self-improvement business is to really stay with people long enough to help them develop new mental models, new habits of mind that allow them to create what it is they choose to create. I would imagine that a, an important first step in doing that then is becoming conscious of what you're saying to yourself. That's a very important first step. I think even before that is to ask yourself, so what do I want? And when you start to focus in on what is it that I have been wanting that I haven't created for myself, and then rather than trying to create out of a sense of want, out of a sense of lack or a sense of limitation, begin to think, if I could create anything that I want, what would be my highest good? What would be my highest purpose in this lifetime? And so as the self-development field has continued to evolve over the last 20 or 30 years, people have started to move more from uh, turning the universe into a big cash machine and, and really started looking at how can I live a spiritually fulfilled life and really live in the highest way, in a way that's good for all concerned? How can I create a world that's socially just, that's economically and environmentally sustainable and spiritually fulfilling, so that as I create goals, as I think of what it is I'm going to do with my life for the next three, five, ten years, I'm thinking in terms of the bigger whole of, who I am in this world, in this society, and what can I contribute to make the world a better place. You raise an excellent point. So much of the material that I see out on the Internet about the law of attraction seems to suggest that if you concentrate on manifesting, say, your your favorite car or a bigger house or a better job, and it does seem to be a focus on creating this universal cash machine, as you, as you mentioned. I, I wonder if that is... You know, unfortunate in that it brings people away from the concept of the law of attraction. I think we have about three minutes before our break. Yeah, I I think part of the big detraction when people started seeing books like The Secret or the movie The Secret is they thought, well, this is all about materialism. And it really wasn't. I I know Rhonda Byrne who created it. And when she filmed us as a part of our Transformational Leadership Council to 
participate in that film, she was really coming from a very pure intention, mm-hmm. knowing that she had gotten access to an amazing understanding that we literally, our consciousness creates the, the world that we live in. And what we need to do is we need to learn to use our consciousness, our emotions, our thinking, our feeling, our purpose in life to start to create the world that we want to live in. The universe is only going to say yes. The most stunning examples that were also the most eye-catching had to do with very material things. Mm -hmm. So this is why the question I pose is this. Once you recognize this is a law, you can create anything you choose. Once you recognize you can have the house, you can have the income, you can have the car, you can have the relationship, Mm -hmm. literally, I've created all of that in my life. I really have. I've lived the American dream. Once you've done all of that, what then would you contribute to the world? Excellent. Horace Mann had a very famous statement. He said, be ashamed to die until you have won some important victory for humanity. And so... Once we really get it, we can start thinking much bigger. Great. We'll pick that back up on the second half. Thank you, Paul. Yes. You're listening to KDWA's In-Depth, KDWA Hastings. Bright, bright, sunshiny day. It's gonna be bright. 